Welcome to and thank you for listening to the first episode of Edmontonian Chats. Today I have on Ethan. Uh, he's from Pity the Fool Fitness. He's a personal trainer. Uh, I learned kind of through this conversation, huge mental health advocate. Uh, he's got a crazy story. And we kind of just jump right in. We had a little bit of a conversation going before we hit record and then uh, we just kind of got right into it. So it starts off to a bit of a sudden start, but I'm I'm sure you guys are going to really enjoy this conversation. This is Ethan. He's with Pity the Fool Fitness. Yes, sir. Um, which hopefully <laughs> sticks around. Yeah. Um, how long have you been doing that? I'm into my second full year of having my own business. Um, I've been around this industry for, I don't know, 10, 15 years before I finally decided to like take my shot at it. I've been an athlete my whole life. And then... So kind of high school, college sports? Uh, yeah, just like I've always been into sports. It's just always been what I like to do outside of music. And yeah, was playing football, got an opportunity to coach a couple of kids and started training these kids and then woke up one day four or five years ago five years ago and was just like why don't I just get paid to do this and that's kind of what sparked me on the path to being a personal trainer nice that's like that's a pretty organic <laughs> kind of transition just yeah something you were willing to do for free that you know yeah now you're getting paid for and so kind of before you had to go down kind of how many clients were you were you training in a week uh like right before this all happened yeah I had 12 going strong like minimum two days a week. I had a few that were one days a week. I have two clients that are four days a week because they're psychos. <laughs> <laughs> Three, uh, a bunch of threes. Like I've got a, a provincially pa- ranked powerlifter that's nearing fifty years old. She's uh, that's awesome. She's a, she's a monster. She's 50. she loves it. She's been with me since before I started my business. Took a little bit of time off, and while we worked together for the first year, when I was at another gym. She just fell in love with picking up heavy shit because I kept making her pick it up, and <laughs> and it just blossomed into a friendship. And yeah, now now I'm her coach for powerlifting. And in her first meet, she qualified for, for provincials without even like breaking a sweat. That's Went, amazing. So, a, it's crazy. How, She's just crazy. What what do you do, kind of when you're young, to be able to still be able to do that when you're fifty? Honestly, like it's there's just there, the thing about our industry, unfortunately, that there's so again like any industry if you look at what's happening now the misinformation you get people that cheat and cut corners and we won't even dive into that because when this airs people be mad at me for saying shit but what winds up happening as long as you lift properly and when I say that I mean you have find yourself a good coach do your own research get the education yourself whatever it may be but lifting properly everything that you do in the gym is based off of a movement or something that you can do in your everyday life well Deadlifts are bad for your back. Like, have you ever leaned over to pick up your kid? No, it's always bend your knees. Right? Like, it's literally things like that. You go for squatting and deadlifting. Between picking your kids up, moving boxes, stuff like that, all of those are functional movements that yeah. we just make heavier in the gym so you can do that shit without worrying about it. When you're younger, making sure that you are prepped before you move, so a solid warm-up, proper dynamic stretching, a little bit of rolling, and then when you're doing your movements, you focus on quality over quantity. Yeah. doesn't matter if you can deadlift the most weight with crap form. You're not going to be able to maintain that for your entire career or for your entire life. You're going to hurt yourself. You're going to cause problems. If you can lift properly at lower weights for reps and build that strength up over time, 
there's a dude that is in that lives in Alberta. He trains here and there at Assured Park. Pretty sure he's 72, and he breaks world records at least once a year with his deadlifts. Like the guy is I love that. still That's going. Amazing. So it's like as long as you take your training pro- like seriously and understand that. Yeah, it's not the greatest eagle lifting all the time. Yeah. And nail down the fundament fundamental points. You you could lift till you're 100. There's people that have been lifting for 50 years. There's a woman in Newfoundland in her 60s who's been in the sport for over 20 and she picked it up one day because she got tired uh or was afraid to not lift with her or run around with her grandkids anymore. So she started That's lifting so weights cool. and then now she's a really good power lifter and she's been in this sport itself for 20 years. So it's it is easy to do stuff for long term. Yeah. As long as when you, you start right. you do it right. It's that simple. Like for someone like me, I hurt myself a lot playing football. Yeah. Among other sports, among uh, my thug days when I would fight every other day. I've put my body through hell. And now that I'm an Olympic weightlifter, it's coming out. Wait, you're an Olympic weightlifter? Yeah, that's what I do. That's my sport now. Okay. Oh, so you're oh, so you're not in the Olympics? No, dude, trust okay. me. If I was in the Olympics, <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like wearing my Canada gear all over everywhere I go. I'd okay. be, I'd be so, repping that Canadian flag every now. Olympic weightlifting is a sport. Okay. Okay. I sorry, I didn't know that. Four team Canada in the Olympics. That's like a seven year plan. It's a seven year goal. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like I okay. the day the moment I hit my first snatch I was like I'm gonna do this for Team Canada one day it's gonna happen I'm stoked so that would be what 20 cause 2020 will be oh if Olympics happen right <laughs> it's supposed to be this year so it's, it's, it's winter this year right yeah yeah so it'd be 22 22 would be the next summer would you aim for 22 no, or no 28 I'd be then. looking at provincials nationals in the next two years and then duking it out after that with dudes that are They've been doing this for years. Yeah. Like, I'm a baby in this sport. I picked it up late after football on my 14th concussion. Uh, when we were, found out we were pregnant with Amara, I just, like, I realized, like, there's no way. Like, that was kind of the start of my mental health kick. Yeah. Was, like, literally I had a moment where I just sat there and I was like, I don't want to be like people that I know that have had post-concussion problems. Yeah. I don't want to be like the person that's supposed to be my father. His name is Lenny, and I will refer to him as such for the rest of this. He's a real dick, and he blames it on brain problems and whatever. Anyways, I just realized like I didn't want to be like that for my family, so I had to stop playing football, and that was that. That itself almost killed me. I was really wake up moment. No, the fact that I couldn't play football anymore. Oh, oh, because you had too many concussions. Too many concussions, but I like when you play a sport like that. Like it's family. Like people that play football understand like. Any play could be your last play. You get hit wrong, and that would be the end of your career. It could be the end of your life. And it's just a weird camaraderie and a really strong bond. And when I realized, like, I couldn't. And I had been playing football for a while, so it was training five, six days a week. Yeah. Two or three practices, games, always with you live with those guys. So when that stopped, I, I went into a really massive depression. And had, was still I was finishing school at the time for personal training. And... Uh, a guy, a regular at the gym, one of my coworkers' boyfriends is a really accomplished weightlifter. His name's Andrew Pretty. And uh, he kind of showed me the snatch one day, and I hit my first one, and I was like, I want to do this. 
I like this. It's cool. so similar to football, and like you've got to put the time in for training. So yeah, it picked that time where I was down back up. Yeah, and then obviously the benefits on mental health from working out and stuff. And I just found something that I love to do. I love to. I can bring my football intensity uh, to the sport, and it's just it's just a lot of fun. And I really really love I love what I I love that sport so much. It's a lot of fun. That's cool. So what what's unique about Olympic lifting then? Um, it's the most athletic lifting like it's not just about strength and and strength is great but it's got to be power explosiveness technique accuracy like it takes so much stuff in the blink of an eye to make a successful lift and it takes time in the seat hitting good reps not just hitting snatches like i can hit snatches all day but if i miss them out front at light weights there's no point going up course me and my ego we, we go up because <laughs> i'll make it next time but right it's 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 making your list perfect and trying to repeat that every single time and it's just it's mentally challenging it's physically challenging like when i started on i would go to war with weights not advised but i get a weight and i'd miss it like when i'm trying to pr or set new records or push the envelope and i would go and i'd be an hour into a workout and miss yeah. a weight and go to war with this weight for an hour until i made it and then the football celebrations come out. And I just like get fired up because I've given everything I had to beat the weight and not let it beat me. And it's just, yeah, it's one of those just, it's just a crazy, fun, intense, passionate sport. And the people in it are really nice. They're really good people. I've met some awesome, awesome lifters over the years. People I look up to, people I keep tabs on because they're going places. It's just, yeah, it's a neat community too. That's awesome. So you mentioned mental health. And so you've found, by the sounds of it, a lot of, um, you've kind of found lifting and moving heavy stuff kind of is a, almost sounds like a way to win at something and to show that you're kind of stronger than your mind, stronger than your body. Mm. Is that like accurate yeah, and saying like that? The, the, the neat thing about the sport, and this goes with powerlifting too, at least from what I found, but I know it about weightlifting. Like nobody's there, at least at the levels that I compete in the, in the places that I've competed to to beat you. Everybody wants to see you make a lift. Like the energy in the building, like everybody is there to beat themselves. And that's like when you get up to the higher levels and things like Commonwealth Games, like I'm sure you like you want the gold. You want to bring that home for Canada and, totally. or for your respective or for yourself. And there's nothing absolutely wrong with that's what competition is. But even there, you can see people in the backgrounds of videos cheering when people make make weight move that you're just like what how is that humanly possible and it'll blow your mind but it's the community of it is is quite fascinating in the fact that they build you up so it gives yeah. you kind of a safe place to go when you may not have one so it, it was easy transitioned into it and then the sport itself it's all about can i be better than i was yesterday so can i nail a technical lift even better can I nail a pull can I nail the receive can I nail the catch can I nail the jerk can I nail like there's just so many components and you have really got to focus and it kind of takes you to a mental state where you can say like this like you know I left that shit at the door I'm here to put in some work and yeah it'll be there when you go out but there's a time period where you can really almost escape from from whatever you're going through in the day and you should be able to and in my opinion but yeah, like there's just something about the mental focus of it that really helps with with my depression and my my mental health issues as well as I see it in other people too. Yeah. Do you do you find that that's kind of you that aspect of being able to kind of escape and compete against yourself? Do you find that unique to powerlifting, 
or would you kind of say that's you know something anybody who's wanting to get into working out um and honestly when you're in the gym and you're working out like it's it should be for you I mean, you can make goals that want to play. Like I've got a couple of older people that make goals want to play with their grandkids, and that's and that's great. But at the end of the day, they're still doing it for them. They want to feel good. They want to yeah. feel healthy. And so, I would say that yeah, like you are definitely sport specific. But if you're in the gym at any time, like you're there to better yourself, you're there to you know relieve stress from the day, calm your anxiety, set yourself up for sleep, among other goals. But those ones, for some people, are the only goals that they need. Yeah. I just need to be able to leave my stuff at the door and have some peace and quiet in my mind while I go and pick up weight and move it around for an hour, an hour and a half, whatever you're in there for. Totally. For the for those who kind of, you know, maybe they just got into exercising the last kind of couple of weeks and stuff and now a lot of gyms are shut down, especially kind of the big, like kind of the big um, rec center ones. What are some recommendations you have for for them to be able to keep active? Maybe do some like home workout, some body, some body weight exercises. Um, it's it's going to depend on on what goals they have. If they're fresh, new into it, and they just want to feel better and, and be healthy, like continuing to move is the biggest thing. Um, you're gonna if you go on social media at all, you're gonna see a million and one at home workouts, this and that. So you can go there. Trusting people online can be sketchy sometimes, but do a little research and you'll know who is the right fit for you and what and anything else but the biggest thing that i found is keeping moving it could be literally walking the block taking a jog around the block it could be focusing on mobility something that people really don't like to do well now you've got the time to just sit down be quiet pace yourself and then get into some mobility and stretching things like yoga if you have equipment i'm absolutely keep working mm-hmm. at this point in time unless you have a full home gym chances are you're looking to maintain yeah you have a couple of dumbbells a couple of bands and a mat you're laughing you're, you got yeah. you got enough to do a solid workout and not expect to make gains per se but at the very least maintain as well but paramount is keeping your mental health in in the positive light with all all that's going on right now mental health is I think most and more, much more, if not most important, than your physical health. But taking a little bit, taking care of your physical health a little bit will absolutely feed the other. Yeah. So it's it's just the idea of don't think that you've got to smash workouts, but in sixty minutes of a of moving of movement. Yeah. yeah. Just go for a walk around the block. Go for a walk around the block. Like yeah. get out of your house. Oh, I think that's huge, right? especially get now. Like everybody's going to virtual working. I, even me, I realized I haven't left my house in two days. Yeah, like it's, that's not it's okay. Hard. It's hard on the brain. It's hard on the people around you. It's it becomes. Um, I find it becomes more hostile as you spend more and more time cooped up inside, and you, and you can't fight the stresses and the fears that come with all the news yeah. and everything going on, and that's and that's perfectly fine. But if you sit in your home for two or three days, you're going to start to realize, you're going to look up and be like, what yeah, in well, the hell there, am there's I a still reason doing we, in here? There's a reason solitary when confinement When you start so hating the color of your house's interior, you might need to exit for like an hour <laughs> and just chill and come back and see how beautiful your house really is, but you've been in yeah. the thing too long. Yeah. So honestly, it's, 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 my biggest thing is just move. Yeah. Whatever type of movement, half an hour worth of stretching, half an hour walk, get your dogs outside, play with them. It's it's warm enough, guys. Like, it's not like it's minus 50, it's minus 3 out right now. Yeah, thank goodness this happened during right? the spring. Right? Like, well, it's springish. But, yeah, movement, guys. Just move, move, move. Don't yeah. sit in your house for two days in a row without seeing actual sunlight on your face. It's, it's just, you're setting yourself up for failure. 
Do you yeah. meditate? Uh, I tried it. I don't have the attention span. <laughs> I just, I okay. don't. Do you, okay, so do you find you get, like, a lot of the benefits and that people talk about in meditation, just kind of clarity, clearing their mind? Honestly. Do you find you get that when you're lifting? I don't get the same clarity of mind, per se, but for me, the noise isn't so loud. Like, for my depression and my mental health, like, I'm, a, I'm very angry. I have a lot of hatred and distaste and just pent up unresolved, unused, seething, just burning anger all the time for a lot of things that I went on in my life. So for me, when I have depressive episodes, they're very aggressive. They're And it's almost always towards me. Mm-hmm. Like I turn it inward really rapidly because the person that I hate, I don't have access to. And there's a lot to plenty of good reasons for that. Um, so for me, lifting turns that volume down. It get it. I'm able to channel some of that anger and frustration into the bar. It doesn't mean I lift angry. It just means I push my body hard enough that I can focus on what's going on in front of me, and it turns those noises down. Because half of the time, I would argue more than half of the time, they're lies. And I, I know you from church. I don't know if this is from church, but like my faith is as strong as ever. And I know, I know that that shit that's going on in my head is lies. Like, it's not about me. It has everything to do with what happened to me, but it has nothing to do with me. I could not have changed what happened to me. But at the same time, it's really easy to be like, well, what if I, what if I, what if I, I could have, this is on me. Why wasn't I good enough? Why wasn't I this? Why am I not this? Why that? And it's just, it's always, and it, and then I just get angry and then I hate myself. And I just, and that's, that's, that's the depression that I, that I live with every day. So when I hit the gym, it's just about quieting those voices. Those yeah. voices don't exist in the gym. They could be yelling at me at the top of their lungs, and as soon as I touch the bar, they're gone. And even for that hour, that's good enough. And usually when I come out the other side, they're not as loud. And I'm able to think more clearly and, and actually like turn on the parts of my brain that can reason properly and shut them up myself. Yeah. But it's definitely noticeable when I don't go to the gym. My attitude changes after a day and a half of not doing something that's moving, and it's absolutely nuts. <laughs> it's very noticeable. What well, What would you recommend to somebody, kind of who's, they kind of have those voices in their head, but they're not at the place yet? Like, because you you've almost kind of crossed a threshold where you recognize that they're lies. Mm-hmm. How, what would you recommend to somebody who's kind of doesn't totally recognize that they're lies and almost starting to buy into the belief of them. Find new people in your corner. I would not be, I would not still be here if my life didn't take the turns that it did in the last 18 months. I made the decision to start getting help through the, through the church that we go to and they found me a therapist and that was great. But at the same time, I, uh, had to start distancing myself from a life that I'd been living for, excuse me, 15 years. That was just a dangerous, not not smart lifestyle. So at the time I was trying to, again, trying to find an identity of who I was or what I was without depression or out the anger where I wanted to be, the man that I wanted to become. And as I leaned into my faith, more and more doors started opening for me, and other ones were closed. Some of them mm-hmm. quite loudly, and I needed that. I really, like, I really needed that. I live with my roommate now, who 
stepped up randomly. Like, like I can't even begin to explain how crazy the Lord is when he decides that, like, helps on the way. I went from living between Sherd Park and with my parents to asking my abuser questions, trying to get some clarity. I didn't get yeah. the answers that I wanted. I said enough's enough. I don't need that clarity anymore. I don't want you in my life. You'll never see your grandkids. It's over. Like, you had a shot. My last-ditch effort to try to save this relationship. And just, like, a weird bit of hope, and it just didn't happen. And I went down, and I just spiraled after that because I didn't get the answers. Went to church, and all of a sudden... I'm playing the drums on Sunday and my roommate's standing there and he's like, I'm meaning to get into the gym. Let's talk after. He became a client. Two weeks later, I was living with him. <laughs> it just, I had nowhere to live. It's yeah. just, it was so, it's so crazy. I don't even remember what your question was anymore. I started talking and got, got uh, sidetracked. Well, it was the, well, the question was uh, um, for somebody who's starting to Oh yeah, support groups. Some, there and, we go. Yeah. Caught up. And you said, See, you, you get me talking about stuff, man. I first first thing play. was, uh, you know, so yeah. switch up who you, who your who your so that's is. that's where I'm going with the support is now I've been living with my roommate through arguably the darkest time since I made the decision to be a little gangster was trying to get out of it, mm-hmm. and there's no way, no way I would still be alive if it wasn't for my roommate, and I don't know if he knows that I don't know if if I've ever actually said it to him, and I've been maybe I've been meaning to, but there's no way he's the last attempt on my life, he drove me to the hospital at four in the morning. We couldn't stop the bleeding. Like he prays for me daily. He invests in my life. I like go through, come home and it used to come home in episodes every other day and just be freaking out in my room, destroying my room. And he'd come in and just get close enough to get a hand on me. And he'd be praying already. And then he'd be in, be hugging me and I'd just be losing my mind. Yeah. But I felt safe in someone that I can, I take shits bigger than. <laughs> I've got at least 120 pounds on this guy and he's hugging me like like he's 10 times my size and and it was and it was just this support network that I started to feel that I had and then I started talking about my story mm-hmm. and my support grew and there's one day when I realized like I knew that I was being lied to by myself and if not for people continuously pouring into me that I am better than that and not talking down to me, but understanding why I feel the way I do, why my brain is trying to lie to me the way it is yeah, and just pouring God's love back and saying, no, 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 there's the dude that can do that on the stage with the drums, that talent that you have. God wouldn't give that to somebody who is what those lies are. You can't, you can't think that. God will not give you the clarity to share your story and help try to save more lives if you were what those lies said you were. Yeah. Like, it it was constantly everyday reminders from people that I didn't see it coming from that, that weren't there six months ago, three months ago, the days before I have a relationship with you for some reason. Over I think, being, it, like, I think being we just sat to, at the same table at Bacon. Yeah. And it yeah. was like, it's just like, it was, it's weird because I have a weird ability that people are drawn to me when I talk and yet I feel it's the other way I'm drawn to this 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 light on the other side that I see in people and it's it's just it's a weird exchange and I've been very blessed but that support network saved my life 
more times than I can count. And when you don't know the lies from the truth, having someone there that can decipher that shit for you mm-hmm. yeah. is fucking paramount to anything else. Because yeah. without Stuart, like, and, and, and I've been in a relationship with, with my girlfriend for four, over four years now. And the hardest part was not feeling like I could tell her something about my demons because I was afraid that it would scare her off. And right when I started feeling like that, Stuart walked into my life. And I had somebody that, that whether I cared or not if he left, it wasn't the problem. It was I knew God let me know that he was strong enough to hear it. And there's times Stuart told me, he's like, I, I, I can't imagine hearing or going or watching from aside some of the things that you've told me and I can never comprehend them but I'm not here to comprehend them I'm just here to listen Yeah. and that saved my life more times than I can count like seriously kids support you have like trusting people is the hardest thing you were talking to one of the most like I hate people I just don't like people people have proven to me my entire life that they suck and now I'm here Trying to save people (laughs) (laughs) because I know that that's bullshit. Yeah. And it's just, it's been really crazy, but you you guys got to start trusting people. It doesn't have to be a hundred people. It's just got to be somebody. There's somebody that reaches out to you often. They check up on you every now and again. That person actually gives a shit. And yeah, that doesn't mean that your time, that you get a hundred percent of their time, but they'll be there when you need it. And you have to trust that these people are put in your path for good, not for bad. Yeah. Will you get burned sometimes? Absolutely. I've lost so many friends. My friend count of people that used to be in my life that I have bled for, that I've literally broken bones for, are nowhere to be seen. And that's okay. They've got their own journey. They've got their own path. But I've had people that have been in my life for less than two years that hang on every word I say, that run to the fire when they know I'm in it, mm-hmm. that there's no way to quantify how important that first person in your support network because after that it grows but that first person could be the difference between life and death start with one person <laughs> start with one person that was a good answer I, I, I was not yeah thank you thanks for opening up too and like oh, sharing man. your story and I don't know I don't have the right to not be honest and open if people smell bullshit from a mile away and that's always been my thing through this is if I'm not honest, if I'm not truthful, if I don't, if I'm not raw, it doesn't matter. Yeah. People that are going to see this are going to know nothing about me, but as soon as they hit my social media, they're going to see videos, they're going to see writings, they're going to see my pain posted all over social media and, and the rawness of it. Like there's stuff, there's big ones coming up that even I'm having a tough time talking about. Um, and that's why they haven't come up yet, but it, it's got to be real. Everything about this has to be authentic because of the people that I'm trying to reach with it. I spent 10 years being abused by the person that was supposed to be my father. Mm-hmm. And that sounded like a decade. That's a big deal. Well, the bigger deal is that it was almost every day. If I had to relive it, I would hedge a very educated guess at more than 3,000 offenses in my 10-year span from 5 to 15. Like wrapping, so when I say that number, like I never thought about that number until I started writing that part of my story. And then it was literally like, God was like, no, you need to quantify this. You need, 10 years is a decade, but 
youth that hear this don't know what that means. They know what a decade is, but... Yeah, well, they're a decade doesn't a decade mean shit old. when you've only been here for twenty years. Yeah, right. I'm thirty this year, and like, well, that's a third of your life that you spent <laughs> in that kind of environment. And right, so you start being able to quantify numbers because, like, no, you need to say out loud how many times and be as close as you can. And I remember it being like every night. So three thousand times I was assaulted by the person I was supposed to be a parent. And when people listen to this, they're going to either pause it or sit and go, what the fuck? That's what I'm sitting here <laughs> doing right now. And it, like, and I, it, I can't it fathom messes that. people's heads up. I've, I've told people, like my therapist has heard some ungodly things in his office. And when I, like, and I told him, like it was 10 years, it was 5 to 15. And yeah, that sucks because five years old, I'm starting to learn stuff about the world that I never got to learn until I was 25. Yeah. And we, we can do another show about that if you want. But... When I said three thousand, like I could guess thirty two hundred, you know, be a little bit closer. But I would, I would assume his face went white, and he just like put his head in his hands, and I, I made him cry. And it blew me away that the number had effect on someone who's heard so much shit in his life. As a therapist, like yeah. that hurt him. So it's stuff like that. Like I have to be real in this entire thing because someone out there was abused once. Someone out there is still being abused. Yeah. Someone out there is being has been abused five thousand times. The numbers matter when you're in it. Yeah. The first time something happens to you, it's never okay. But in your brain, in the human survival, it w- will almost always resort to at that age. Survive, just survive, and that's what it turned into for me, and that's what it's turned into for hundreds of thousands of others, millions, I would guess. So when I tell my story, it has to be real. I have to answer honestly. I, I cannot hide the the nasty, the the demonic, the whatever you want to call it, that ugly shit that people hide from. I can't hide from that if I want people to listen. If I want people who aren't being abused or who don't have depression to understand, they have to be able to feel something outside of empathy empathy is great but it only goes so far until you can wrap your head around the pain of somebody living through that and surviving it and numbers like that and being honest is the only way that people will listen and actually take it home with them I want people to think about the fact that for some reason after I think I'm at 11 suicide attempts now I'm still here People that can't understand why depression is a thing. Well, they hear about abuse. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's cool. That's great. Well, they hear about five years of abuse. Whoa. Well, they hear about 10 years of abuse. How are you still here? I don't know. <laughs> I have some yeah. important shit to do. Well, and like, I've got and, some and big even, things to do. Like 10, 10 years of abuse put into the perspective of 3,000 attempt to 11. Like that's. That makes it so much more real and tangible. Like I am. Yeah, go ahead and you guys listening. Count like, to count to a thousand right now. I'll give you. We'll wait. I'll give you five minutes. Like it's it's it's, it's, it's it it's just it it messes with people, and that's the and then unfortunately the effect that needs to happen because if you don't know it, you can't understand. It. If you can't understand it, you're just going to continue to be blind to it. My story is not the only story like this, but right now it's one of the few stories that's out in the public raw and dirty for everyone else to see because I chose to
to step into that light and to step into that spotlight and just let it happen. It has to happen. It hasn't happened. So it's going to be me. <laughs> it's, just, it's just, it's going to be me. I'm going to stand up and I'm going to stop letting this happen. I'm going to try to make changes so it doesn't happen to more people. If people start saying enough's enough. It's just, it's just, yeah, it's got to be real. And so I will never talk about it another way. I have nothing to hide from people. I don't need to hide it. It's been hiding for too long. Time's up. I'm done hiding. That's, I, I'm... I, I, I'm equally parts like inspired and heart like my hurting and I th- thank you for being you and thank you for doing that like, again that's that takes a lot of courage that takes it takes a lot of anger but anger turned courage works you're you're doing it that's wow um, earlier you mentioned you went and you like you um kind of faced your you kind of faced your abuser and didn't get the questions you wanted knowing that you didn't get the questions you wanted would you have done it any differently no absolutely not at that point i was about six months seven months into therapy i've now been with jay for oh two years and change like he's made that much of a difference for me and and i've been in therapy before and i gave up because they just were not in it for me they were in it for the bottom line mm. and the guy I got really lucky the church really saved me with that one and, and he's he's been helping me for two years now but I was about eight months in and I kind of said like I, like I need to know I need to understand I'm at that point now in my healing where I need to understand why the fuck that happened like will it make it better no but at least if I can like understand what happened to you or your thoughts during it maybe I can work on forgiving because the biggest thing everyone says to you is, well, forgive. Hold, don't hold on to that shit. Look, first of fucking all, you don't have any right to tell somebody to let go of something that you've never held on to. I don't care who you are, who you are in relation to the person who you think you may be in this on this planet. Unless you are the Lord Jesus himself talking to me or that person in their face, you do not have the right to tell somebody to just let it go. Unless you fucking held it in the first place. I'm just like, PSA, that, that is great. You want to know why I say that? Because nobody tells you how to let it go. They just say, let it go. How do you let it go? Surrender it. Give it to God. You know what? That's so easy to say, but how? How? If you can tell me how, I will dedicate the next, however long it takes, to figuring that out. But nobody tells you how. Well, you just do it. On my arm here, I have a snake tattoo. Underneath it, there's a date. May 8th, 2007, when Lenny was still in jail. I thought that I had forgiven him. It was a monumental day. Mm-hmm. And then I heard his voice and I realized that it wasn't, didn't happen. Yeah, it, Forgiveness is a process. It's insane. It's, it's, not, not, like, it's, not, it's not for the other person. It's for you. Look, I don't give a damn who it's for. This dude stole from me so many things. He stole my innocence from me. He made me think I was gay for 10 years. I didn't even know what that was. It was normal. I developed things like Stockholm Syndrome, where I didn't know that any better. I didn't know anybody. I thought this was something that happened in everyone's family. I started to think that this was normal. That's all that I knew. 
He stole the ability to love properly from me. I do not understand love. I understand it from movies because that's where I learned love from. Outside of being abused and molested and raped, I learned it from movies. I learned it from TV shows. I have to try to understand how to love. And I've got two fucking kids. And I'm just starting this now. Yeah. My life was stolen from me and I'm trying to rebuild it. So how can you sit there and tell me, just let it go? Forgive. Surrender it. Unless you've got a fucking step-by-step process, don't tell me how to do something that I do not know how to do in the first place. Like that stuff, I like, no. oh, I, I'm getting worked up because I like, it's it's empty platitudes unless you can actually tell, well, read the Bible, do this and that. I was like, yeah, but then how do you feel afterwards? How do you know when you've forgiven someone? Can someone actually explain to me the feeling on the other side of forgiveness? What is it? Yeah. Because I've said it out loud and I've washed my hands of a situation and I've let it be and I don't feel any different because when I have my episodes, I want to kill him. Does that mean I've forgiven him or am I still human? Am I allowed to forgive him and still want him dead? Or does that mean I'm still holding on to stuff? Who can answer those questions? Nobody seems to be able to fucking answer those questions. So until you can answer those questions for people, that empty shit should keep the fuck out of your mouth. He says with love. (laughs) (laughs) No, I, like, I, I, I totally, I completely understand what you're saying. This is like not even the same thing, but like when my parents separated, I was told all of those same things. And that was my biggest thing was how, mm-hmm. how, how, like, yeah, for, yeah, I know I need to forgive him, but how, how do I forgive mm-hmm. somebody who caused all of these things? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. And, and the other thing you just, you just said, like, it's not the same. The thing that helps the most in, in, in people finding support is trying to hammer the shit out of the stigma that someone's pain is greater than someone else's. People hear my story and it's got a lot of shock factor to it. Yeah. And it's yeah. got a lot of how in the hell. And and it's it's this weird thing where and people there's people that have not liked that I've said it. But it it, it helps give clarity. I have shoulders big enough to carry a lot of things. Physically and metaphorically, <laughs> I think. I have always been able... I've always wanted to help people and, and just be that person for people my entire life, even through the abuse. And it was always my gift to carry burdens for people and with people. Mm-hmm. And someone had... When I was... This this conversation happened when I was... I don't know, I would have been 13, maybe. Um, my story... I told someone in confidence my story and she just looked at me and she's like... Like, I... Like, my current boyfriend's whatever, like, assaulted me. Like, how do, like, how do you survive? It only happened to me once. I'm like, no, no. Like, and it was, it was nuts because I didn't even, like, you get spoken to here and there throughout your life from God. But he was like, no, no. That's not how this works. Your pain is not measured in the offense itself. Your pain is pain. How you experience pain is different than how I experience pain. How you experience pain is different than how Amber experiences pain. My pain threshold is just fucking high. There's just that the only difference is that my ability to absorb pain is different from someone else's. There are people right now, there's a 75 year old woman who spent 
almost 30 years as a sex slave. Doesn't know how to smile anymore. Nothing's ever funny to her anymore. Yeah. Still goes to church regularly. Still prays for people. Is in a giant prayer group. Still spreads the love of God. She will look you dead ass in the eye and say, don't ever tell me that my pain is so much greater than yours. I was able to deal with my pain the way that I did. I was able to handle that level of pain. So one offense does not outmeasure the other. Pain is pain. That's where the community gets built. You suffered and are suffering from depression. Depression knows no race, no creed, no color, no sex, no stigma. It is just depression. So there is no one greater than the other. We are all in this together in some way, shape, or form. The pain is still pain. And that is something that people miss in this. They hear my story and go, holy shit. Every time I say, I'm like, it doesn't have to be the same. If you feel like shit, if you don't want to be on this planet anymore, you're no different than me. You're still family. You're still somebody that is struggling with wanting to live. No matter what the reasons are, you still struggle with wanting to live. And those are the people that I want to be on their side. Your story matters. No matter how small you think it is, it's a story that ends in depression. We're all in this together. When people say that, that is the root of that meaning. What got you here is an afterthought. That's for your therapist. The fact that you are here with me suffering the same is why we're all here. Why are we doing this together? Because it is all the same. Everyone, you can have people, there's going to be people that see this and argue it differently and whatever, and that's fine. And you can have your own opinions, and I will not hold that against you. But the bigger the community is, the bigger the support is, the easier it is to heal. So as soon as we stop trying to grade people on pain, grade people on suffering, grade people on the difficulty of their offense easier it is to see that they're just a person that is struggling to want to draw another breath no different than me yeah I struggle to want to live most days it's no different than the next person that doesn't want to live it's not wow that's I'm not sure how to (laughs) Sorry. <laughs> no. Uh, where can, the only thing I can think of is just to end it on that note. <laughs> I don't think there's anything better than just ending it on. We're all. We are all in this all together. In this, yeah. It's. It's everything I say. It's the hashtag I use the most. We are all in this together. Community support. All of that stuff draws us into a group. We're stronger together than we are apart. That's how we make it through this life. You get how to get back to community, get back to supporting and just loving on one another. People hate the church because in the news, all they see is us being assholes and talking down to everybody. And that's not the God that I know. The God I know calls me to love. And even through it all, if I can figure out how to love myself, I can figure out how to love everybody else and just try to keep loving on them. I don't give a damn what you've been through. I don't give a damn who you love. I don't give a damn what you did what you might do tomorrow, what you've done in the past. Like My job is to love the way that I am loved by God. And he loves me unconditionally. Who am I to say anything else? Anything different? People hate, people want to start, spread so much hate and talk a bunch of shit. And I'm one of the best shit talkers on the planet. <laughs> but at the end of the day, all I am called to do is love. 
Yeah. A friend of mine that I had no idea. He's 10 years older than me. came out to me the other day. One of the first people he came out to me, all he said to me was, man, I knew I could come to you. And, like, we don't hang out very often. I see him yeah. a few times a, a month, maybe. And he said, I just know that I can come into this message box and get nothing but love and nothing but support. And that that means that I, Ethan, I'm winning. When yeah. people can come to me That's... because they know that they will be loved no matter what, I'm winning. Give a damn what the devil has to say about me. I'm winning. <laughs> yeah. So where where can people find Where can they get Where can they... Yeah. Uh, social media is obviously the best. It's the best thing for me. Uh, Instagram. What, and what, so what are, what are your socials? Sorry, just yeah. your, your handles. Yeah, Instagram, my handle is pity the fool fitness. All one word, all lowercase. You'll see me. I'm pretty sure I'm angry lifting in my picture. Oh, yeah. And for those of you who are just listening to this audio and haven't seen Ethan, he's Mr. T. <laughs> like, <laughs> full on. Yeah, I'm pretty sure in the, in, the, in the picture I've got my full on hawk going on. Right now it's under a hat and it's it's in dreads, the beginning of dreads, so it's a little smaller. Yeah, I saw that the other Sunday. That, that was looking cool. Yeah, it's gonna be, I'm super excited for that. But uh, And then on, on Facebook, um, Ethan Big E Woodham. Uh, my business page there is Pity the Fool as one word. Fitness is the other word. That's my business page. But honestly, if you just search up Ethan Big E Woodham, that should take you there. Message me if you guys need. Honestly, it's, it's again, if you guys are looking for a therapist, I have full rights to give my, my guys' number out. If you guys need a support group and places to turn, like I will help best I can direct you to where I have gone or give you tips and tricks. My Instagram and so, and Facebook both have every video that I've made. Um, I have a YouTube channel too. I think it's PTF Fitness. I don't I, I, I YouTube is the one thing that gives me hepatitis when I try to figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like honestly, if you guys want links to stuff like that, just shoot me a message. I've got talks that I've done, writings that I've done, articles and, and whatnot. And there's still lots more to come. There's more, more in-depth speaking coming and more of my story. The stuff that um, is hard for me to talk about is coming as well. Like the... the kind of day-by-day feelings of what it was like to go through the abuse and how I adapted as a kid is coming and stuff like that so uh, if you're listening and this has struck a chord with you guys like reach out please feel free my my, my message box is always open it might take a couple of days because I have an issue with answering in my head and then not looking at my phone again for three days and realizing oh shit I didn't say anything <laughs> I'm bad for that so I'll get better at that but yeah reach out guys if you feel the need please and you'll never be afraid to reach out to me yeah awesome thank you so like Wow, thank you. Oh, you're welcome, man. It was good. I appreciate being here. Thanks for the offer. Thanks for listening to that episode of uh, Edmonton Chats. I'm going to see you next time. If you guys do want to get any more information on Ethan, you can find him on all social medias. Just look up Pity the Fool Fitness. He's got some great content out there, both on the mental health side as well as on the fitness and health side.